Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. Mm-mm-mm. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio or tweet something sweet to us at the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Alrighty, let's get to it. If we look at the science of happiness and positive psychology and the math daddy of interventions that can redirect a negative thought pretty close to instantaneously, that would be the practice of gratitude. And today we are talking about lessons in gratitude. Our first guest is Nina Lesowitz. She's an award-winning marketing professional who runs Spinergy Group, which represents authors, corporate clients, and nonprofits. She, along with Salmon, co-authored the best-selling Living Life as a Thank You, and What Would You Do If You Could Not Fail? How to Transform fear into courage. She lives and sails in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband and produces events for Litquake, San Francisco's literary festival. Hello, Nina. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for being with us. The Grateful Life. Let's talk about The Grateful Life. It's a guide to discovery and realizing our deepest longings by cultivating thankfulness into daily living. Tell us, tell us how the, this simple practice can be utterly transformative. Yeah, well, your radio show is about happiness, and a lot of scientists have actually found that being grateful is the surest path to happiness, and that uh, practicing gratitude really is transformative. There have been scientific studies that show that it can improve your health, uh, you'll sleep better, you'll exercise more. There have been studies that show that gratitude is a powerful antidote to depression. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Indeed, it is one of the number one interventions that I give my clients. Like, I say, hold on, like, you know, hold your role here. For one second, stop and tell me three things you're grateful for. And it's mm-hmm. the act of actually stopping in one's tracks and redirecting that focus and attention to what is wrong with life. I call it, you know, the big wine, the pity party, the, the problems that we all seem to drag along with us. That, that practicing of gratitude actually arrests that role. It arrests right. that thought thing. 
Absolutely. I mean, people keep waiting for something good to happen to them, thinking that if something good happens, then they'll be happy. But the scientific literature and happiness shows that it's the other way around. When we are happy, good things happen. And uh, as I just mentioned, the best way to become happy is to really look at and appreciate what you already have. But it is something that you do have to concentrate on because uh, your clients are no different than everybody on the planet. I mean, according to neuroscientists, our brains do have a negativity bias. <laughs> but so we have to work on that. We have to have a tool to break out of that negative feedback loop. And that's why uh, gratitude is just so big nowadays because it's a tool and it's a relatively simple tool. You know, when you turn your thoughts around, instead of, instead, when you're in your car and you're thinking about how much traffic there is or how somebody just cut you off or, or uh, whatever it is that you're thinking about, if you just turn it around and start thinking about how grateful you are that you have a car or that you're protected <laughs> from the rain and the cold and that your favorite song is playing on the radio, it will completely transform your mindset. You've written two books on on a very similar subject, The Grateful Life and Living Life as a Thank You. How do the two differ? Yeah, they do differ. Uh, back in when we wrote Living Life as a Thank You in 2009, and at that time, most of the stories were anecdotal. The bo- both of the books follow a similar format in that we interview people, people from all walks of life, and then each story is followed by suggested gratitude practices and quotes, and there are sidebars and And again, in 2009, we did reference one study that had taken place, but what we found was since then, since Living Life as a Thank You, there have been so many more studies that uh, have come out that point to all the benefits. So we really wanted to share that. We wanted to share that when you do take the time to keep a gratitude journal, you can literally turn your life around. And we showed also how it just it doesn't just apply to the individual, but but even in the workplace, how uh, we we interviewed people who are consultants. They go in and they they uh, consult with managers, and how that can turn a company's productivity and profitability, you know, increase their profitability 20%. We showed how uh, studies point to the fact that people who have had a recent uh, serious heart condition so, or a heart attack, that if they focus on the positive and they focus on what they're grateful for, that they're much more likely to recover sooner and, and never have another heart problem again. I mean, there's just, there's so much, as you know, <laughs> so much. Well, it, 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 there is so much, and it, and it does work, and it is a very, very simple practice. Do you think that our society has become more or less grateful since you penned living life as a thank you? I think that it's become more, more so. There, it, it just seems like gratitude, gratitude is everywhere. It, it's a huge hashtag on Twitter. There's uh, lots of evidence, everything from late night talk show host Jimmy Fallon, who does his popular thank you notes, uh, as, and I keep re- referencing the growing ranks of scientists who are studying how gratitude can improve our physical health and emotional well-being. There are apps uh, that people use on a daily basis, and more and more people pepper their conversations with gratitude or gratefulness. So I think that it is increasing, absolutely. What is your feeling about that? I think so, too. I mean, I've observed mm-hmm. that in the post-recessionary world that people seem to be more appreciative for what they do have than what they have lost. Right, right. And we learn, we learn from people who tell us, what they most appreciate on their when they're on their deathbed we we learn from from all of these people who have been through hardships and people invariably point to close relationships and to 
things that just in their daily lives that they appreciate as opposed to things. I mean, we, we always knew that, but I think that more and more people are, are, lear- are, are opening their minds up to this type of wisdom. What are some ways that you uh, exhibit or exercise your own gratitude practice? Well, what I do is I do it all day long. I know that so many people recommend that you keep a gratitude journal, and there's been numerous studies that if you just take the time out to write down three things at the end of the day that went well that day, that that can really make a huge difference. But what I do is I really do practice it throughout my day. I think about what I'm grateful for. I also try and not just supplant thoughts, but I, I just, uh, I add to my thoughts. If I'm think whatever it is that I'm thinking about, well, I'm really glad that that person's in my life, or I'm really grateful that I can, I have two feet to get me from place A to place B. So I'm, I do do it all day long. Um, it's, it's, that is when you really can get deep with it. But um, in terms of if you're going to start out and keep a, a journal, there is a way to get deeper with that. I mean, there are numerous ways to get deeper. You can really elaborate, or you, you also we recommend that you focus on people rather than just focus on things. So, for instance, if you are grateful for the fact that there's coffee waiting for you in the office when you get there, don't just give thanks for the coffee, but think about the person who made the coffee. You can also reflect on what your life would be like without certain blessings. So that's kind of like a subtraction <laughs> exercise. You know, think about what what it would be like if that if that person wasn't in your life. So just trying to go for depth is is and getting personal would be my recommendations for people who are starting out with this practice. I have a, a, a little global gratitude challenge that I that I give clients, and when I do workshops, and gratitude is a part of the positive psychology cultivation process, I challenge people to take their phones out and pick ten people for whom they are grateful, and to text them right there on the spot, and to watch what happens five minutes later. Oh, and I love everybody, that! Everybody does it, and everybody starts chuckling because they can't believe it that they get like that instantaneous response from another person, you know, and you see them, their faces light up. And I ask people to read the texts that are coming back in and it is, it's charming, it's uplifting and it, it's viral. Yeah, it's viral and it's, it's, it's powerful. Incredibly Very powerful. powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and there's is a, most definitely a ripple effect. Yep. That's what, I love that. That's wonderful. The text fest intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then in the in a business climate, what you can do is you can ask your boss if uh, they can devote a bulletin board where everybody can post, just stick a post-it note up to to mention what they're grateful for that day. In, uh, within a family, you can leave a journal out in the kitchen and, and the kids and yourself can just randomly write down something so that it's not necessarily like a, a uh, you're not telling the kids they have to do it, but it's just out there and if they're feeling good about something, write it down and then at the end of the week, you can have some family time and read it out loud. So there's just there's a lot of different ways that you can accomplish uh, similar to what the, what you just described. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to carry on the conversation with Nina Lesowitz on lessons and gratitude. To learn more, please visit on Facebook, Nina.Lesowitz, also on Facebook, The Grateful Life, and on Twitter, at Grateful Life. Here come the cute, and we will be right back. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. 
please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I first of all, I want to thank you for joining us. And secondly, I want to urge you to download this podcast and share it with people that you care about. Because we're talking about lessons and gratitude. Um, being thankful, leading a life that's filled with thanks, heartfelt thanks for what we have and who we have in our lives is paramount to creating and generating and harvesting more happiness. And in the studio today, we have Nina Lesowitz, who is an award-winning marketing professional and author. She's written a couple of books. One is co-authored with Salmon's entitled Living Life as a Thank You, and What Would You Do If You Could Not Fail? How to Transform Fear into Courage. And her latest book is The Grateful Life. And prior to the break, Nina and I were talking about ways to practice gratitude and now, Nina, I want to talk a little bit about how gratitude works with volunteerism, with charity, with altruism. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the studies have shown that uh, grateful living, whether in the form of gifts or volunteering, scientific, it has been scientifically proven to increase joy, speaking about harvesting happiness, and that there have been studies that show that giving money to someone else actually lifts your own happiness more than spending it on yourself. So what basically what we found is that grateful people tend to be more generous and tend to be more altruistic because if they're conscious of all the abundance in their life, there's some spillover effect. They want to share with others. It's fascinating. I would agree with you. You know, when we operate from scarcity, from fear, from doubt, from feeling, you know, that we're lacking in some way, we're not particularly feeling um, happy. We're not particularly mm-hmm. feeling grateful. And so the, uh, the antivenom is this gratitude practice to just mm-hmm. find a way to dial in on those things that are going right with life. And that doesn't mean we live our life in a, saccharine, sweet, Pollyanna vacuum. You know, we, that's not what either of us are saying, and I think we need to be really clear about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, yeah, grateful individuals place less importance on material goods. They're less likely to judge others' success in terms of possessions accumulated. They're less envious of others. So all of this makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And again, I know I keep referencing studies because that's what this book is about. The subtitle is the science, um, the, the secret, the subtitle is Secret to Happiness and the Science of Contentment. <laughs> and you know, the, the big secret is not such a big secret. It, it's uh, exposing people to to see different ways of expressing gratitude, of acknowledging gratitude in their lives beyond the, um, the trite thank you that we say hundreds of times each day. Right, and exactly. That this is something mm-hmm. a little bit more where we take that pause, where we really acknowledge this, the smell of the cup of coffee, the person who made the coffee, the fact that we even have the cup of coffee 
because not everybody in the world has a cup of coffee that wants one. Right. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. It's very true. What about strategies for workplace success? You touched upon that in the prior segment, but what is so compelling about this gratitude practice in a professional environment? How does it shift the temperature or the mood in a work environment? Oh, yeah, it's huge. There have Gallup polls have shown that when people are happy in the workplace, it increases productivity by at least 20%, and that's just one statistic. So now, as I mentioned, there are people who focus on workplace happiness, and so much of that revolves around showing appreciation, because when you do that, then that strengthens connectivity, which obviously boosts productivity. And it just has a huge impact on the bottom line, which has the potential to improve the lives of millions, if not billions of people worldwide. So I think it's really important for management to stop and take a look at the benefits of creating an environment where people are appreciated. And in fact, I, I often talk about this study where when they did a study of people who had not just been on the receiving end of a gift acknowledgement or promotion or um, an act of, of, of gratitude, but people who had merely witnessed it, witnessed it happening to one of their coworkers, then those witnesses in fact, became much more committed to their organization. So it just, yeah, it it affects the entire environment. That is fascinating because really what we're talking about is that energy once again going viral. And if we Mm -hmm. have the power to shift that energy positively, imagine what the negative stuff does. So it's important to really recognize the, the the power of our emotions, the power of these little simple interventions to raise, I mean, happiness is kind of a weak word, but the well-being, you know, the, the ethos of uh, a business environment. So people are, are in it for the long haul. You know, they're in it for the collective good and the collective win and the spirit of, of the company and their own well-being, which there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's... Um, it's- hugely important to, for people to feel a sense of self-worth and self-efficacy when, they, when they're when they thanked. It just it makes a huge difference. <clears throat> um, I wanted to just uh, touch upon one more thing about the bottom line. You know, we're talking about, you know, creating more happy workplaces, that when employees are happy and there is more gratitude and the mood is elevated, you mentioned that productivity goes up, the bottom line increases, and the health benefits that you spoke of in the first segment, that people have less sick days. They report that they feel better. They're not, they're, uh, they're not as ill. And when they do go out for a day or two, they're back more quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that applies to everyone across the board. Even looking at the other side, doctors, when doctors are primed with a little happiness prior to meeting a patient, they end up diagnosing patients more more accurately. Happy students perform better. Happy managers have teams that outshine teams managed by their less happy or stressed colleagues. So and they, they, there is less illness. That we reported on in our first book, Living Life as a Thank You, where that those studies focused on the connection between health and um, gratitude and that grateful people absolutely have stronger immune systems, they sleep better at night, they call in sick less often. So it's just there's so much of that. Speaking of health challenges or managing one's health, can you give some examples how gratitude has have helped people in crisis? 
or have yeah, well, actually, in both of those books, we included interviews with people who have experienced the worst of what life can throw at you, everything from losing your child, getting a diagnosis of cancer, losing your house and all of your possessions. But so many of the people that we talked to did find their way to happiness as opposed to spending the rest of their life just mired in misery. And what they said, uh, what they reported was that gratitude was their lifeline. I love that. And so that connection between adversity and happiness is really interesting uh, because what those people said is that they most of them reported that they were grateful for the people who carried them out of the storm and for the people that were there to help them rebuild their lives. And once they started thinking about that in a really appreciative way, then their lives started to improve. So um, I, I feel like gratitude just helps us shed that burden of loss, you know, in order to clear space for something better to arrive. Beautifully said. Really uh, lovely. And, and I remember many years ago, I, I had made a documentary film when I was in graduate school on happiness. And I had interviewed a woman who was in the late stages of cancer. She was in hospice care. And she had had two or three very, very serious bouts of cancer. And she rebounded from two. And this, this, this last bout she thought was going to, to um, be the end. And mm-hmm. she said that she was not unhappy. She was very grateful for the life that she had, and her doctors told her that the only reason that she had survived as long as she had with these multiple bouts of cancer was because of her attitude, and that, and in part it was the positive attitude, being grateful for what she did have and the care that she was receiving, and it helped her sustain her life and um, reaffirm that there was always hope. Right. Yeah. I love it. It's something that we know. It's something that you've known for decades, and and it makes a lot of sense. It's very logical, but it's just wonderful that now researchers everywhere from Harvard to Brigham Young to you know every major research institution and at UC Berkeley they have the Greater Good Science Center, which is really which hands out grants. Um, to study this specifically, and they're showing that that people who have that attitude, like the woman you just described, have a 50% lower risk of dying over a given period. Yep. Yeah, so is, uh, the scientific uh, literature positive. is really supporting... <laughs> what you know what what you found from having a discussion with this one person but now it's really really showing us how how much it's supported by science and and the value of going global with your gratitude Thank you, Nina Lesowitz. We've oh, run out of time. Are we are already okay. We are, and I want to give the contact information to reach out to Nina. Please do so on Facebook at Nina dot and on Facebook also she has the Grateful Life, and on Twitter with the handle at Grateful Life. Thank you, Nina. Thank you for Thank being you with so us. Thank you so much for the work that you do, and you as well. Have a Thank you. Day. Okay. Take Thanks. care. Bye bye. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the grateful life, about being grateful, being gracious, being thankful for the things that we do have. And in studio now with me is Emiliana Simon Thomas. Amelia is the science director at the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. She earned her doctorate at Berkeley using behavioral and neuroscientific methods to examine how aversive states like fear affect thinking and decision making. Huh, don't we all know that? Emiliana transitioned to, the, to studying positive emotions and pro-social states like affiliation, love of humanity, compassion, and awe during her postdoctoral research, and then served as the Associate Director, Senior Scientist at the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education at Stanford. Back at Berkeley, Emiliana recently co-led GG101X, and that is The Science of Happiness, a massive open online course on the edX platform with over 170,000 registered students. Her current scientific focus is on the biological underpinnings and advantages of pro sociality. And we'll break that down in a minute. But looking how we connect with others, being kind, grateful, and cooperative benefits, the health benefits that we receive of greater well-being, psychosocial functioning, and performance is what we're focused on. Emiliana's work aims to fully explore the potential for as well as the benefits of living a more meaningful life. And we all want that. Good morning, Emiliana. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. Uh, well, for, for both of us, let's break down the scientific definition of gratitude because perhaps it's a bit different than Webster. Yeah, so, uh, you know, scientists have thought about gratitude for probably about 15, 20 years now, and I think that there still, regrettably, is more than one uh, agreed-upon definition, and, and essentially there's one that's a little bit broader and one that's a little bit narrower, and I'll start with the broader one. Now, the broader way that we think about gratitude is having a sense of appreciation for the things that come to you in life that you didn't necessarily have to work for or earn. So this is a very broad sense of whatever it is that you can sort of link to a sense of contentment or joy that you didn't have to strive towards or work for. And, you know, sort of contemplating those aspects of, of your life and, and, and acknowledging that they've arrived to you and benefited your life. So that's kind of the very broad kind of gratitude that could include something like, you know, being grateful for the degree of privilege that you've had in your family or being grateful for the sort of health of your body, things that are, you know, a wide range of possibility. And then there's a narrower definition of gratitude, which um, really it, it just sort of depends on the research focus or the, or the, the faculty investigator, which, which one they use. But the narrow one really is more social. And, and the narrow, narrower d- uh, definition of gratitude, it goes like this. It's, it's, it's really acknowledging the benefit that has come to you as a result of the actions and effort of another person. So you can see the distinction. One of them is just a more broad, like I'm grateful that, that something good has happened in my life or some, there's some good quality to my life that I haven't had to strive or work towards. And the other one is I'm grateful that this other person or that these other people or people in, at large are, are doing things in the world that ultimately lead to something beneficial in my own, in my own experience of the world. So, so those are two different approaches that scientists take to understanding, defining, and studying gratitude. And let's talk about the physical and emotional um, uh, attributes of being grateful, because it does have an impact on our health, emotional and physical. Absolutely. So er, the early research done by Bob Emmons, who is a faculty in psychology at UC Davis looking at gratitude, looked at whether uh, just keeping a really sort of broadly defined gratitude journal had an impact on health and well-being. And and his measures were things like, you know, subjective well-being as assessed through a questionnaire or even people's experiences of kind of common um, irritants or, or physical discomforts like, you know, stomach ache or 
muscle soreness or skin rash. And essentially, he showed that you know, writing down every day in a little notebook three things that you feel grateful for, and he was using the broad definition of gratitude, led to improvements across the board in terms of well-being, in terms of a sense of happiness, of meaning in life. And again, in these in these physical symptom um, uh, arena, these these all went down in the people who again kept this gratitude journal. And he compared it to another condition where people were writing down things that perhaps were that they that they felt were a hassle to them in the day. So um, so yeah, we we've seen from his sort of pioneering research that that gratitude has these these benefits to one's sense of well being in their own right as well as their sort of physical well being. Now, since Bob sort of pioneered this whole field, there's been a lot of additional research on gratitude and the extent to which somebody's, the, the, the level of gratitude that one has in their personality predicts various advantages to their health and well-being. And, and what we call that is sort of dispositional gratitude. So it's not necessarily practicing and becoming more grateful. It's just how grateful are you as a person as a consequence of, of you know, myriad of things, your, your genes, your, your cultural upbringing, your, 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 your experience in life, etc., um, people who are more grateful tend to be healthier. They tend to be more satisfied in their relationships. They tend to be less vulnerable to certain um, sort of health um, complications. And, and one of the most interesting projects, or actually there's two of them that were part of our Expanding the Science and Practice of Gratitude project at the Greater Good Science Center that looked at people who were at risk for cardiovascular disease. And in both cases, and this is both at Massachusetts General Hospital led by Jeff Huffman and at UC San Diego um, led by a team with Paul Mills and um, and one other researcher both of them showed that that individuals who were more grateful were, were less likely to experience secondary um, incidents as a consequence of their heart disease. So they were cardiovascularly more resilient as a consequence of being more grateful as people. And in addition to that, they were more likely to engage in and follow um, sort of health behaviors. So, so their physician said, here's what you got to do to avoid having another heart attack. And you, know, you can imagine some people say, great, I'm going to change my life. I'm I don't want to die this way this soon. And, um, and, and they go out and do things. Well, it turns out that being a grateful person makes you more likely to do that. And being a less grateful person makes you more likely to sort of, you know, brush off or ignore that kind of um, advice from your physician. Well, when we talk about <clears throat> being a, sort of a set point for gratitude, I mean, if, we're, if, we're, if we are wired or predisposed for one level of gratitude, I'm assuming that it's similar to uh, training to, uh, you know, to be happier, you know, that we then set in place or set in motion these strategies and interventions that continue to cultivate and raise the bar for a higher level of gratitude. Yeah, you know, the wonderful thing about gratitude from the very beginning is that there hasn't been such a strong kind of narrative around there being a set point. It may be that you come to the table with a certain level, which we can assess by asking you, you know, eight or nine questions about your life experience and how you see yourself. But it turns out that something like keeping a gratitude journal for two to three weeks actually changes your score on a, on a dispositional gratitude scale. So gratitude maybe is more flexible than some of the other um, things that we think about. Like we think about, you know, body mass index or, you know, um, even even happiness or subjective well-being sometimes people think of as having a set point. I think um, the research on gratitude suggests that, that there's more flexibility there, that in fact people can... Uh, sort of behave or practice or exercise or, or subject themselves to a, a variety of experiences that really can uh, measurably change their levels of gratitude. And, you know, you, you brought up both in the last question and this question, this idea that there's maybe a, a biological underpinning for gratitude. And indeed, there are various systems in the body that we know are important for the experience of, of pleasure, the experience of um, 
sort of engaging interpersonally with other people uh, and, and the experience of sort of thinking about yourself. And, and we don't necessarily think, and, and when I say we, I'm kind of taking an, an overambitious <laughs> perspective as the, 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 the you know, realm of people who, who think biologically about emotions and experience, but, you know, forgive me for that and, 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 um, and, and, and take some value from what I'm going to suggest from that point of view, which is that um, we don't really think there's one spot in the body or the brain that is responsible for gratitude in its, in its full richness, right? Gratitude really has several elements to it. It's, again, this sense of looking outside of oneself for a benefit. It's sort of savoring the fact that there's benefit. And depending on the researcher, it's really linking that to the actions and experiences of another person. So, so we know that there are systems in the brain and the body that, that represent or signal pleasure. We know that there are systems that are dedicated to empathizing or taking the perspective or understanding other people. And we know that there are systems in the brain and, and the body that really are focused on sort of vigilance or, or, or um, sort of self-referential thinking. And what it's looking like from the research and from the neuroscientists' results of, of studying gratitude is that what it does is, is gratitude seems to tighten up the links between these pleasure systems and these social cognitive systems, these systems that process social and interpersonal information so that you're more likely to experience time with other people as a pleasurable, rewarding experience. And it seems to sort of uh, soften the um, habit or the reflex of thinking self-referentially. And it turns out that that sort of habit of thinking self-referentially is problematic uh, for our happiness in, in a lot of other ways also. So, so yeah, gratitude seems to kind of tap into multiple systems in the body and the brain and move them towards a, uh, an orientation that, that sort of lends itself to, to a more interpersonally um, beneficent uh, kind of comportment in the world. Beautifully said. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Emiliana Simon Thomas about the Grateful Life. To learn more, please visit greatergood.berkeley.edu on Facebook, the Greater Good Science Center, and that Twitter handle is at greatergoodsc. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Wow. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are very thankful and we urge you to download this podcast and share it and share often and generously because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7 on iTunes and other fine purveyors of our podcast such as Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and Blueberry. We are talking about gratitude with Emiliana Simon-Thomas today, who is from the Greater 
Good Science Center at Berkeley in Northern California. And prior to the break, we were talking wa- talking about why gratitude is good for us with Emiliana. And now we're going to take the conversation to what happens to our brains, what happens to us physiologically when we are in that state of appreciation and thankfulness. Emiliana, take it away. Okay, so um, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show that when, when we think about gratitude and the different things that happen psychologically when someone is experiencing gratitude, you can sort of break it down into three main um, experiences. And, and one of them is savoring. And what we mean by savoring is is stewing upon something that feels positive or benefit, ben, beneficial for yourself. So in a moment of, you can imagine having a, a wonderfully delightful piece of chocolate in your mouth and instead of just kind of chomping it and swallowing it and, and looking for the next piece, you really kind of take it slowly and really think about all the flavors and, and really relish in that moment. So savoring is, is intrinsically a part of gratitude because we're taking something positive and we're thinking about it for longer than it necessarily would, would, would arouse us to sort of spontaneously. So that savoring thing, we're turning on the reward circuits in our brain. Now, you think about our brains in in ways that we think about muscles. The more we use them in a certain way, the more reflexive or habitual that way of using them becomes. So if you do anything that that sort of leads you to to thinking more um, appreciatively or or in a more positively uh, experiencing way, that kind of experience emerges more readily in the future. It's, again, sort of like being lifting a weight with your bicep. It becomes easier and easier to lift something using that muscle because it gets stronger. So on the first count, gratitude, thinking about the positive aspects of your life, exercises these reward systems in your brain, these reward systems that speak in the language of dopamine and when it's interpersonal, also in the language of oxytocin. So, so we're utilizing these systems kind of on purpose when we're, when we're intentionally or deliberately um, exposing ourselves to experiences of gratitude. The second thing that happens during gratitude is, is a moment where we're not thinking about um, our own uh, needs or threats in a given moment or in, in the in the immediate past or the projected future. Um, we are a funny habitual organism that spends a lot of time not in the moment that we are actually sitting or, or standing or, or whatever it is that we're doing. We spend a lot of our sort of psychological resources reflecting into the past and trying to think about how a previous experience might define the current experience we're having. There are great reasons we do this. It helps us learn. It helps us predict. But there are some dangers to doing it a little bit too much. Um, and gratitude, because it's about thinking about something that's, that, that, that is pleasurable, is sort of using those resources that we might otherwise be allocating to worrying about something that happened before or, in fact, worrying about something that, that might be happening later in the day or stewing upon something that really isn't pertinent to the present moment. Gratitude sort of takes us out of that habit because we're not actually, we're, we're using our, our mental processing resources in a different way and, and we're using it to savor. Um, the third thing that happens during gratitude, and particularly when we're when we're reflecting on experiences where the benefit that we're exper- that we're that we're that we're recognizing or acknowledging has to do with the actions of another person, is we're engaging what we would call social cognitive circuitry in the brain, and these are structures along the insula that help us feel empathy towards others. These are structures along the temporal parietal junction of our brain, sort of the area that, that is between our temporal lobes and our parietal lobes, that are experts at understanding the experiences, the expressions, the, um, the sort of possible uh, motivations of other people who we are interacting with. So, so again, during gratitude, we're sort of turning on our reward circuitry. We're engaging these social cognitive regions that are trying to understand other people. And we're sort of quieting or, or attenuating these other systems that, that seem to, you know, turn the focus inward into our own sort of sphere of concern. And so that, again, that practice, again, thinking about our, our brain as a muscle, the more we're turning down these self-referential systems along the midline of our brain, we're turning up the reward systems and we're turning up the social cognitive systems, the more likely it is that when we encounter other people or when we just 
are sitting in a moment that those systems will be the ones that dictate our, our, our subsequent experiences. So, so this is really kind of the, the narrative behind why gratitude uniquely has the beneficial impact that it does. And, you know, to, to break it down even a little bit more simply, it's like where you focus your attention is where you find yourself. That's exactly right, yeah. And, and gratitude is not too disentangled from another wonderful uh, and promising science that looks at uh, a, a kind of inner awareness space, which is mindfulness, you know, how, uh, contemplative practices, any kind of exercise where someone becomes more aware of what their mind is doing in, in any given moment, and then perhaps deliberately chooses, well, I'm going to dedicate my mental processing resources towards an activity or an experience that I know will enable or give rise to uh, sort of pleasure and contentment and satisfaction in life rather than sort of striving reflexively for these things in a way that actually turns out not to work out so well. Our listeners may say, well, this sounds, you know, just great for the average person. Um, and what, what about me? I'm, I'm depressed. I, I, perhaps I drink too much. Perhaps I'm a substance uh, abuser. Um, I think it's important to say that this, these gratitude interventions and the cultivation of gratitude as a practice is a vital component in the healing process for anybody who has gone through trauma, addiction, and, and hardship. It can actually help with the healing process. You know, you're absolutely right about that, with the caveat that I'm not a trained clinician, and, and I don't want to make a suggestion that if somebody has been uh, given advice from a, from a mental health professional to, to do a certain thing, they shouldn't throw that away and decide to do gratitude instead. Rather, gratitude seems to always be something that can add to, it, it's a both-and scenario, that can always add strength to whatever uh, uh, health, health regimen a person is, is, is um is, is, is trying to complete. Um, what we do know about gratitude and resilience is that there's a, a strong little piece of the literature that looks at people with post-traumatic stress disorder and looks at people that have experienced, you know, traumatic uh, things in their lives. And it shows that people who are more grateful, people who come into the world again because of a variety of experiences as more grateful people tend to be less susceptible to post-traumatic stress. So they might experience trauma, but they aren't the people who end up having struggles associated with that traumatic experience for the long term. Instead, they seem to be able to recover from them and to sort of cope in a way that allows them to move on with their lives. In a second sort of style of that research, you can teach people, as you were alluding to, you can teach people to do things, to engage in behaviors that in the beginning may feel somewhat unnatural, right? If it doesn't come to you naturally, I don't, I don't feel like saying thank you. It just doesn't, it feels unnatural, it feels awkward, I'm not going to do it. You know, okay, great, but it's the same thing that people say when they join a gym, right? I don't feel like running, I don't feel like lifting weights, it hurts, it doesn't feel good, but now we've kind of embraced the notion that, you know what, you kind of got to go through that little initial phase of just doing it even if it doesn't quite feel right. And when we teach people the ways to do that. And, and, and thankfully with gratitude, it's really not that hard, right? All you got to say is, okay, <laughs> let's understand. It's not just the, the kind of casual nod thanks. It's the, and particularly the interpersonal gratitude, which we are sort of coming to understand is one of the more powerful uh, ways to behave and, and to reap the benefits of gratitude. You, know, you, you find a person you say thank you in a way that acknowledges what they did. So not just, hey, thanks, man, but hey, thank you for um, bringing in the, the, the coffee this morning for us. I know you went out of your way to do that. So you're acknowledging what they did, the effort that it took. I know you, you, know, you, you were generous enough to take the time to do it. And it really sort of freed up some of my space and brought me uh, some joy this morning because I didn't have to go out and find coffee. And in fact, I really wanted some and here it is for me. So again, one, naming the action, acknowledging the effort, and naming what it is, the benefit that it incurred for you. So if you can kind of take that out into the world and go, okay, I'm just every day going to try to do that three times, right? Find three people, actions, big or small, and just say to them, I know what you did. 
it was really good for me, and I'm grateful that you put your time and your effort into doing that to make my day just a little bit better. That exercise is little by little sort of chips away at some of the other habits that we that we indulge in that end up being not so helpful. And I think it's the, this is the perfect segue to some of the research that you're doing now um, uh, on the advantages of pro-sociality. And, and tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about that. We don't have much time, but I think it's, it's very important to understand that um, this gratitude work has underpinnings that go a lot wider and bigger than just the thanks. Absolutely. So our focus right now is primarily on looking at how we can deliver these kinds of very practical exercises to as many people as possible. I think what we find in the research sphere is that really in, in brilliant researchers and scientists come up with these great studies and they and they discover these wonderful findings and they publish them in in you know sort of sector specific journals that a lot of regular people don't have access to. And at the Greater Good Science Center, one of our missions is trying to pull that information out and make it available. And one of the ways that we've been doing that recently is through our online course, the, the Science of Happiness, which you all talked about at the very beginning of our, of our conversation. And the, the beauty of our Science of Happiness course is that we not only teach the science, but we also encourage and inform people how to bring these kinds of pro-social exercises into their day in and day out life. So we say, hey, this week you learned about kindness and connection. Action. Guess what? There's a researcher who, who did, a re- did a study where they asked people to go out and commit random acts of kindness five times a day for a week. And, and after people did this, they showed increases in their happiness and increases in their sense of meaning in life and increases in satisfaction in their relationships. So why don't you try this for a week? And so we did this with all of the students who have registered for this course. And for us, you know, I, my, my background is in neuroscience. And in neuroscience, when you do a research study, you might have 30 to 40 people for whom you're collecting data and, and looking at their brains. With the, with the MOOC, we've got, and again, MOOC is Massive Open Online Course, we've got 170,000 people who are trying out these very practical little exercises for becoming happier, becoming more pro-social, feeling more connected. And so we're really trying to understand that space. How is it that take, doing a gratitude journal based on the recommendation and the information we provide in the course is changing people's lives? And we're super grateful to all the students who, you know, kind of bear with us and answer all the questions that we that we pose to them and and also who are willing to try it out. And it's very heartwarming because what it looks like is that people can really experience measurable benefits from trying out things like gratitude or random acts of kindness or learning how to actively listen, uh, learning how to forgive and apologize. Those were remarkably impactful. A lot of people said, you know, I, I, I felt like a pretty fine person and I took this class just because I wanted to know more but I've realized from trying these little things that I am so much happier now than I ever thought I could be and and not because I'm like got more stuff or I made more money or I've got more status through some kind of great accomplishment but just because I'm more connected to my community and and my friends and family and 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 that's so important. Well thank you Emiliana Simon Thomas from the Greater Good Science Center at Berkeley. To learn more, please visit greatergood.berkeley.edu. On Facebook, the page is the Greater Good Science Center, and the Twitter handle is at greatergoodsc. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is a very raspy Lisa Cypress-Kamen wishing you kinder thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And a big thanks to my guests today and our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you and are grateful for you. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. 
Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.